Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Department Podcast. I'm Paul Glover. It's a full house this time in the RD Virtual Studio. I'm joined by Paul Jeffrey, Joseph Wright and Davide Nativo. This week we'll be chatting our way through the following topics. New eye racing damage model announced. 10,000 mods for Seto Corsa at Race Department. So we want to say a big thank you to all the awesome modders out there. F1 calendar changes. Is it goodbye Barcelona? It's hello Zandervoort. And who will win between Rio and Interlagos? Once those ices have been covered, we will look at neural AI and what that means for sim racing with our resident expert, Davide Nativo. So, hello guys. How are we all? Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how you doing, yeah. Davide? You all well? Hi, guys. Yes, thank you. Good, good, good. Right, so... Um, First item this week, new iRaising damage model. Paul, you posted um, about this a little while ago, um, making some huge steps forward by the looks of things. Oh, man, it's looking awesome. Really, really, really excited to see, hopefully. I mean, we're only seeing the highlights of it, of course, but I, as I've well mentioned a lot of times before, really, really like severe damage and penalties for getting it wrong. And I think it's awesome to see iRacing going down that route, hopefully. Uh, I was be curious to see how it's implemented in reality. The videos look good, the screenshots look good, but I want uh, I want realistic damage. I want to run wide, hit a curb, bounce over it, damage my floor. If I make contact with a wall, I want it to be race over. So, yeah, curious, curious, dude. Looks uh, good so far. I've, uh, I've not raced in iRacing, but is that... At the moment, what is the current model? Is the, is, the, is the damage quite limited? It is quite limited. It's on a par with other sims. You get uh, physical damage, so uh, your car will crab or you'll be uh, left hand down or something like that if you have a, a considerable impact. But visually, in terms of ripping pieces off the car and real body deformation and whatnot, just on a par with other sims. So uh, breaking a bit of new ground, actually. I'd be curious to see how that goes. Could you mean breaking new ground in terms for iRacing or just in sim racing in general? Because I don't think anybody goes uh, the whole hog with damage in sim racing, Uh, whether that's licenses, whether that's uh, horsepower required to make it work or what, I don't know. But it's good to see iRacing set a lot of trends. They're setting it with their online uh, functionality, so their uh, pickup racing and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see if they do it, if it's well received. If, if that'll encourage other developers to uh, get a little bit more advanced in their damage model as well. Joseph, have you uh, have you ever raced in iRacing? Uh, yeah, I've done quite a lot of um, racing on iRacing in the past. So uh, are you quite looking forward to this new model? Does it, does it interest you with the damage side of things? I'm very much like Paul and I love the... Uh, more yeah tapping a wall can seriously damage your car and in that video that's obviously been included in the post that uh the article that uh paul put up the final clip of the formula three car spinning out and hitting the rear end of the uh the vehicle on the wall just shows it the whole uh rear wing coming off but like flopping around that is what 
every other sim is missing. Other sims, it's just detached. That's it, it's gone. There's nothing else to do with that now. This just shows you can have the cars going into the walls. It just squeezes the tyre completely into the car. It just has a realistic aspect to it. I think that's what it needs. iRacing is known as the professional simulator. It's ridiculously expensive, why I don't always own it. Uh, but it is basically go-to sim for professional sim races and even people practicing to sim. So this is a fantastic next step. I can't wait to see it implemented. However, definitely in the lower end of the scale, in the lower licenses, I think that is going to have a severe impact on how slow people are going to be able to move up those licenses purely because <laughs> yeah. one tap is going to be race over. Yeah, David Day, um, are you a big fan of proper uh, damage models like this? Uh, yeah, um, I think that as uh, Paul was saying, it's uh, uh, it's important to make a step forward uh, in um, this aspect of sim racing. Uh, so with the iRacing for now and we hope with uh, more sims in the future. Me personally, I'm uh, more interested in... Um, uh, mechanical damage or failures, uh, something that breaks because I did something wrong, so shifting not at, not at the right time um, or uh, overheating the engine, those yeah, kind of things, things yeah. like that. Because uh, I think that those are, are um, the things that can help you more in the everyday driving uh, when you learn how to um, treat right your your engine, your car. Um, uh, the, me the mechanics inside it. Mm, when it comes to um, uh, damage from a crash or from an accident, uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm more uh, interested in the deformation processes <laughs> and the more uh, spec spectacular uh, side of it. Um, and uh, mm, not to the point where uh, as uh, as a... Uh, some of our community members say, oh, it's, it would be so nice if uh, this sim could have a, a, a breakfast kind of um, damage simulation model. Not, I'm not that extreme, but uh, when it comes to crashes and accidents, it, it's nice to see some deformations in the model, realistic deformations and so on. I think um, for iRacing, which is a... a very much uh, streamed, uh, broadcasted. Uh, uh, it's kind of, um, uh, you know, something that uh, many times are, the races that are uh, held are made for uh, for a public to be to be viewed, to be seen. Uh, having this kind of um, uh, damage model uh, uh, could also help make things more uh, spectacular in a sense. Yeah. So when there is a crash. Uh, it's more uh, interesting, more appealing for the for the public. Well, I think we're being honest. That's why some of us watch motor racing, isn't it? Because we want to see these spectacular yeah, crashes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for um, uh, I hope this doesn't sound uh, um, in the in the wrong way. But for example, uh, um, racing on ovals. Not to say that they are made for crashes, but <laughs> they do happen more frequently, let's say, than on uh, road courses. So, for example, when there are uh, when there will be on a racing uh, uh, oval races, uh, which tend to have, as I was saying, uh, more accidents, uh, they will be also more spectacular rather than annoying for the for people to to watch to see. Yeah, I think um, it could turn out to be one of those things where you get these spectacular crashes. 
people upload them on uh, to uh, the forums or anywhere else on the internet and people just sit there watching, you know, the carnage that, in, that involves. I mean, if we look at some of the arcade games like Burnout back in the day, that's what it was all about, really. It was all about creating these amazing, spectacular crashes. And if they get the model right, I guess wheels going here and there and everywhere. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. It'll, it adds sure a little bit amazing. of depth. Adds yeah. a little bit of depth to the experience. And yeah, David, they made a good point about the ovals. They're very close door handle to door handle and nose to nose type racing. And you get a lot of it, especially the lower lower licenses, where people are a little bit leery in the driving and they're doing things that maybe aren't realistic in an oval environment, causing a big accident. And there's not much penalty in that. I think it'll focus people a little bit more to behave a little bit better, uh, certainly on, on oval configurations. And uh, that's no bad thing because oval content is absolutely epic in iRacing. I don't think much to the same uh, from a, a, a European road course type scenario, but for ovals, wow, unsurpassed. So anything that can make uh, that more realistic, more immersive, and hopefully better behaviour, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, I've got I've got nothing to compare because I've never I've never raced iRacing, but I like like um, I think what you said earlier on, Paul. I know that it's used by a lot of professionals, uh, racing drivers out there that practice um, online a bit. So it's definitely got a a bit of a following out there and I think this is probably that next level step that they need to need to take and, and I think you're rightly there as well that um especially in the oval scene that it's close close racing and that there needs to be more penalties if you do something stupid. Um unfortunately it's normally the pers- person who caused the accident that generally doesn't lose out though. It's normally, it's normally, <laughs> yeah, the, people be- it's normally the people behind. So uh Yeah, you, you know. tell it to a pack of forty guys when the guy in the third position spins and takes the entire field. Yeah, out. I mean yeah. if you if you look you mean if you you know, like if you because someone could do something up ahead and it caught, creates a Constantino effect, and a bit like what happened in the Formula One in the start of Barcelona, where because Vettel did what he did, um Leclerc had to take evasive manoeuvres and and it kind of bunts the 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 pack up um, behind and it's, it could be like that in online racing as well. Someone does something and it's like a domino effect um, and it, generally the per, you know a bit like a person cutting you up um, you know and on the motorway does a stupid manoeuvre doesn't see the carnage they've left behind when three or exactly. four cars crash. So yeah, it's um, yeah it could be great. I think um, you know it's it's part of the evolution of the of the game by the looks of it. Okay, so. Uh, Swiftly moving on, uh, I really wanted to pick up on this, Paul, because you posted about it on uh, on Wednesday Just Gone. Uh, we know about the amazing community at Race Department and we know about the, the general amazing modding community that's that's out there, um, not just for Seto Corsa, but for other games too. There has been for many, many years now. And to reach a land mark of 10,000 uploads for Seto Corsa is just amazing. Oh, man, it's unbelievable. I mean, once upon a time, R-Factor 1, the original R-Factor, was the mod, uh, the modder's sim of choice. AC came out, bit of a step up, well, a lot of a step up in visuals and usability and all that good stuff. And the community's just run with it, man. Unbelievable, 10,000 uploads, skins, liveries, apps, cars, tracks. Uh, I mean, we've even got things like Sol that basically turn the entire game on its head and make it something that even the developers didn't do with night and weather and all that good stuff. It's just 
I'll say it. I said it in the post, and it bears repeating. And you've already said it, but I don't think we can say this enough. Wow, big respect, big thanks uh, to the community for doing it. A lot of these guys do it for, for free. They spend hours, weeks, months, years building content because they enjoy it. They enjoy sharing it, and they enjoy uh, improving our sim racing experience. And because of that, we've got cars that would never be released in a commercial sim. We've got series that we've probably never heard of before that sim racing's introduced us to it. Uh, I just can't say it enough. It blows my mind what people do. And to heat 10,000 is just, wow, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, um, David A, uh, do you have a favourite Assetto Corsa mod out there? Oh, that's... Uh... That's an hard, uh, uh, hard question. Um, <laughs> Putting you on spot here, dude. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. are, there, are, are there? Is there a top three? Is there a top four? Is there I'll a make top it ten? harder for the bloke. I mean, so don't you know. pick one. Pick ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What can I say? It's uh, that. Um, uh, uh, for example, uh, I like very much um, uh, the um, uh, A3DR uh, mods like the Ferrari Testarossa, mm -hmm. uh, the Lamborghini. Um, those are very much enjoyable to drive. Um, uh, what else? I, I, I'd have to see my folder in my, <laughs> my folder where I keep all, uh, all my mods. Uh, lately, I'm trying the uh, free formula, uh, free car from RSS. Uh, yes, yes. A lot of people are racing that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. Very, very, very fun drive. Uh, fun to drive. And I'd like to say that also we have a lot of uh, trucks for Assetto Corsa um, mod mod trucks that are uh, incredible. Really, really incredible trucks. Um, like for example, um, those made by Fat Alfies uh, are. Uh, are very nice and um, I think that they are uh, special also because they it, it tends to um, uh, create uh, mod trucks uh, that are inspired from uh, historical venues that are no longer uh, not only raised on or upon but uh, no longer existing so it's is um, offering uh, uh, something that is uh, very much uh, close to a time travel experience uh, and I don't know, uh, they could be um, displayed in a museum <laughs> for, yeah. uh, for how good they are and uh, the fact that they allow you to experience something that is uh, basically uh, no longer possible. Uh, of course, it's not the only one to do uh, something like, like it. It's the, just the, uh, the first one uh, uh, that um, came to my mind now. But um, uh, uh, as Paul was saying, uh, mods are a very, very important resource, uh, not only to extend the life of a simulation, in this case, Assetto Corsa, but uh, here on risk department, uh, as you were saying, we host uh, uh, a plethora of mods for for. for almost all the sims we have around uh, yeah. at this time. But um, also because, um, I mean, they, they give you the chance to do even more uh, uh, with the sim you have uh, almost all, all of the time for free, which is something not to... Uh, uh, not to... For, uh, that, 
you should not forget that uh, yeah, many times uh, the, these people uh, uh, give you uh, a quality quality experience uh, for free. So awesome yeah. job from all of oh, them. Oh, yeah, un, un, unbelievable. I mean, you know, Joseph, you look at the uh, the downloads, um, for instance, for the, the top-rated uh, assessor course, at, well, no, the most downloaded assessor course to track at racedepartment.com is Donington Park, you know, with 187,000 downloads. And I think that just says, you know, the, how important mods are to the community. Oh, they're extremely important. Like Davide said, it uh, really extends the life of a game. And I mean, the base, I said, of course, the game is fantastic. But the reason it is so great is because how highly moddable it is. You've got all of those circuits. You've got all of the cars, all of the, just the apps, the on-screen yeah, apps, the apps that you can get. Yeah. And that's in my... Uh, limited experience with uh, Assetto Corsa because of all of the broadcasting that I do on it. My experience, majority with AC, is all of the apps. You've got Helicorsa, an absolutely fantastic app. It's obviously the uh, the coder for that has been bought on for ACC. So it just shows something and it's implemented natively in ACC now. So it shows how fantastic these apps apps actually are um alongside all the other mods the general mods that people talk about which are the cars and the uh, the circuits and i think it's it, within modding the apps are very underrated um when it comes to talking about what are the best best mods out there because really i think helicorsa is one of the finest inventions to be added to a sim to a sim race uh just just over seventy five thousand downloads for that it is an absolutely amazing app and obviously it's been replicated in various other games using different techniques and styles but you can Mm. use it now in uh automobilista i've used it in um i've i believe you can also use it in uh uh race room and uh, oh, I can't remember what I've edited actually because I think you can make one up on Sim Hub now. So it just shows that that one design for AC has just proved that apps are a very crucial thing. And I'm sorry, but I think they're just completely underrated when talking about mods. Yeah, the apps. I mean, I'm a I, I'm a big lover of the apps. Uh, Helicorsa, Sidekick, um, the FFB Clip app is a very good one. Uh, there's another. There's the um, the tire one that I use as well, Pro Tires, that's really good uh, as well. Um, I have, I, I mean, I got quite a few of the cars that I, um, the um, the touring cars I've added and other bits and pieces. I bought some mods before from the guys that have just released the uh, the free F3 car. Um, you know, I've bought, I've I've downloaded some of the old uh, Formula One cars, like the McLaren that you can get, um, the West McLaren with the, you know, just no, actually, sorry, it was the ha- I think it's the Hamilton one, the more shiny. Um, oh, the two thousand eight one. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's nice. a mod for that, and uh, yeah, and it just it's just ridiculously quick. But yeah, I mean, you know, the modern community as a whole, and then and then when you're racing R Factor Two, you when you when um, we host club racing events and. Uh, because of the, uh, the there aren't many tracks in our factory, so we we tend to use quite a few mod moddy tracks. 
Um, you, if you look at when it's the screen's loading, a lot of them will say ported from Assetto Corsa because it started out as Assetto Corsa track as a, as a mod, and then it's been given permission to be ported across to from the uh, from whoever made it to to R Factor Two. So, you know, and as you just rightly pointed out there. Uh, Joseph, you know, Heli Corsa has now been developed into ACC and it also has appeared in other games as well. And it just shows you that when something is spawned, um, you know, in one game, it could then make its way into another. And it's just and it just benefits everybody and not just people who play AC, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's a great starting ground for people to prove the worth as well. As, yes. uh, as Joseph said, Kevin's uh, now working for Kunos for ACC. There's uh, one of the RSS guys has done some modelling in a set of course. I think he did the Aston from what I heard in the comments. So it's a really good way for people to put themselves in the picture for the big developers and actually get a job or get commissioned work in the industry. Turn a hobby, basically, into something that's paid. I mean, that's that's amazing. But yeah. Just to yeah. sort of, I know we spoke about apps, but this is really worth mentioning for anybody out there that doesn't know it. When you're talking about some of the tracks, some of these guys, they've gone and got laser scan or LIDAR data for the circuits. So it's not just looking at a video and saying, yep, 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 I reckon the corner looks like this. Some of the guys have gone out and measured the real track. They've got proper topography data so they know where the dimensions are and the crests and the falls and everything. These aren't just knocked up on a computer as a rough guesstimate. Some of these are as accurate as you can possibly get. I mean, uh, is it Lilsky? Lilsky, I forget how you pronounce his name. Apologies, Kevin. Uh, that's done uh, Watkins Glen and uh, Bridgehampton and Riverside and, uh, and a few others as well. That guy, the attention to detail, there are Watkins Glens in first-party titles that shall remain nameless that are nowhere near as accurate as his which is a free mod, and that's mind-blowing to me. The, the the attention, the research, the hours and hours of reference material that they get before even starting to build the car or the track or the app or whatever, it's mind-blowing. You just can't... I've tried to explain what a mod is to somebody who's not a, a gamer or a sim racer, and I just can't explain how much effort goes in to creating these sorts of things and to do it for free. And for the love of growing the uh, the genre and the sim and the sport or whatever you want to call it, wow! Big respect, big respect. I mean, mod. I mean, modding. Just you know, if we talk briefly away from um, sim racing in other games as well, is 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 huge, and it relies on these amazing communities. I mean, I know that Grand Theft Auto has had mods for years. Um, and it could, again, it could be cars. It could be all kinds of different cars, and it's just it's just Lamborghinis, everything. And it's just fantastic, and it's just great to see. It does, it does. You know, when these people, as you say, Paul, put in the amount of time and effort, and people still complain about these guys, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. and maybe girls. I don't know if there are any female models out there, but um, who put all this time in, and all they got to do is just moan and and, and you know about it, rather than give. Uh, genuine feedback, which I'm, I'm sure yeah. they will appreciate, because they can, it can make a difference. But yeah, That's I human nature they'll do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, yeah, nothing, nothing uh, goes without uh, criticism, does it these days? <laughs> exactly, yeah. and it's a shame because some of these people they're putting in thousands of hours. It's a labour of love, and they don't have to release it. 
They don't yeah. have to make it available. They could charge for it if they wish, or they don't even have to be bothered to do it exactly. in the first place. And if you don't like it, my mother always taught me, if you don't like something, move on. Keep yeah. your mouth shut. Same as same as like your, you know, the stuff that you do for race department, Paul. It's all it's a labour love, isn't it? And yeah, and that's you know. why sometimes I'm criticised for being overly uh, optimistic, enthusiastic, or whatever. And that's because I don't have any interest in saying, "Hey, this looks rubbish." I think I'll make a video about it. <laughs> saying this is, I don't. I make videos about stuff that's good. That's yeah, why I'm positive get the good, about it. You want to get the good stuff out there, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Talking, exactly. Talking. Uh, hate and stuff it's just what's the point life's too short man life is too short to indeed. hang up on stuff you don't like indeed so stuff that i didn't like i haven't liked recently moving on uh formula one if i'm being yeah. totally honest with you <laughs> um barcelona at the weekend wasn't a great spectacle um an but, expected result as always yes uh, yeah as well but it's uh, it was mind-numbingly boring at the weekend if i'm gonna be totally honest with you but anyway uh, which leads us nicely on to the r- recent um, kind of chatter around tracks coming and going. So Zandvoort was announced today. Uh, so uh, the day that we record, uh, it was announced earlier on today on the 14th of May, if you're listening. Um, so, uh, but there's also been rumours that Barcelona is going to come off the calendar. The, the rumour that was at the weekend was Zandvoort's going to replace it. So you're going to go from one relatively can't overtake track to another you really Impossible can't overtake track yes. to overtake on. Exactly. I watched a video of uh, Max Verstappen driving around there uh, earlier yeah. on today. And then um, the other talking point is between Rio and Interlagos. Now, I was listening to another podcast uh, the other day, and I'm sure you guys will remember, those listening, is that last year there was, there was quite a lot of uh, people getting... Um, attacked outside the track on the on the right route between the hotel and the track, and people having items stolen and things like that. And um, and apparently in Rio, it's even worse than Interlagos. <laughs> nice. Um, and that was that. We I mean, that was some, some, what someone was saying of their experience of Rio, because you know I know that the World Cup was out there a couple of years ago now um, in 2016. So, you know, and I know there were a lot of um, fear around that. I think I think they managed to keep control of it. But the fact is, at the moment, you know, teams have to be really careful travelling between Interlagos and uh, and the hotel. Said something, unfortunately, uh, uh, the challenges that they face out there. Um, and uh, and again, you know, and they're saying that the fact that it's potentially worse in um, in Rio is. Um, is 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 worrying really, and the fact is as well. They're also saying that you know, according to your article, Paul, and the rumours are out there that twenty twenty. I think twenty twenty, and I think many other people do, is is too early. So let's break this down. Let's talk about Sandsport first. Um, David, a, were you surprised that this was announced to be on the F one calendar? No, I wasn't surprised because um, since um, uh, Verstappen. Uh, started uh, not just racing in F1, but uh, making a name for himself. Uh, I knew that, uh, and I started seeing that there were, were these rumors about uh, Zandvoort maybe returning. I knew that uh, it would uh, happen uh, at some point, and it did. 
Uh, I love Zandvoort. It's the track in which I had my first uh, sim racing win, uh, even if it was offline, but <laughs> it still counts. So <laughs> um, I love the track, but uh, personally, I don't think it's fit for uh, an F1 race, at least in, at least in its uh, current state. It's, um, uh, it's very uh, windy, uh, twisty, uh, is that the right word? Twisty? Can you <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, definitely twisty. It's narrow as well. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, right now people are saying also it's very bumpy, but that is something that can be easily uh, fixed. The, the problem is that the layout itself uh, is not, uh, I think it, it cannot work with, with the current cars, which are so not only aero-dependent, but also so big. The current F1 cars are really big. Uh, we used to have F1 cars which were very, very uh, tiny. When you um, saw them uh, firsthand with your uh, with your own eyes, you would uh, were you would be surprised at how small they were. Right now, they are basically a submarine on wheels. So, <laughs> on a track like Zandvoort, uh, I don't think they they're gonna. Uh, work that well. Uh, yeah, they can change the, the layout uh, uh, somehow, but uh, that would make me even more sad because uh, as it is now, I like it. Uh, I just don't think that it could work with F1. Yeah, I know that they've uh, come out and said they're going to make some changes, David. They, um, I, it's, it's, you're right about the Max Verstappen uh, phenomenon, I guess. It's um, when you look at the Austria Grand Prix and the Sea of Orange. Uh, when because it's very close to the Netherlands, yeah. um, but so basically, what we're saying here is the bosses have made a financial decision rather than about the racing, haven't they? Uh, sorry, I didn't understand. The... They've made a financial decision. They've, they've oh, made a decision yeah, based yeah. on money yeah. rather than rather than the spectacle, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, sure. But mm, I mean, that's uh, that's how sport works uh, nowadays. Every sport. It, it, revolves around money and sponsors yeah. so uh, think, uh, things get uh, sacrificed uh, uh, on the altar of uh, having more money to, um, uh, to earn um, I don't know I, I think that uh, having back a Dutch Grand Prix uh, is a great great thing uh, and I like the fact that um, we have uh, again a Grand Prix on, uh, on Dutch soil just that uh, I would maybe have picked uh, a, a different track. Yeah, maybe the only alternative uh, maybe Zolder. I don't know, and even that uh, maybe not the right uh, call. But for example, now that I think about it, maybe Zolder would be a better choice than Zandvoort, uh, for example. So yeah, maybe they sh they could have gone for a commercial. Um, a reason behind the Dutch GP, but uh, uh, when uh, it uh, if it if they made a, a better decision on on which track to host it, uh, mm -hmm. it would have been better also for the public. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I would imagine they've looked at um, alternative tracks. I mean, but I guess they just they decided this one would uh, be the be the best option, maybe because it needs less work to bring it up to. Bring it up to F1 spec, I'd imagine. But I don't that's know, just maybe me guessing. 
Maybe also, I don't know. I don't think that it's, uh, it's um, I, I, I don't agree. I don't think that it's uh, because of that. It's maybe because of Zandvoort, because of the history it has uh, in F1, uh, mm -hmm. and also more of a commercial appeal. Uh, uh, for, Maybe, uh, yeah, for yeah. But for... the 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 so the clip the F one tweeted out earlier on today. A, um, you know the track map that they do before every race for those who watch F one, and and they did the little thing in the corner where they show the overtaking, and everything was just in the first corner. They did every video, and it, and immediately I was like. Oh, I'm worried. I'm worried here. It's, it's not going to be a great spectacle. Um, Paul, moving on to one of the other parts of this, of the F1 news recently, um, Rio versus Interlagos. Interlagos has been a great track for Formula One. Um, it's the only anti-clockwise track on the circuit. We hear about that every year and about the drivers next, blah, 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 blah. Um, would you be sad for it to, to disappear? Absolutely devastated. I think Interlagos is a phenomenal circuit, often produces good racing, they've got an interesting climate for the weather, it's a classic track, it's an historic circuit, yeah, I'm devastated. I it's mean, quite high above sea level, isn't it, as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you've got high above sea level, you've got the massive run uh, from the last corner up to the start as well, which really taxes the engines, but mm. it's just... There's, there's one or two good overtaking opportunities on it. It's good to see the cars going round there. It's got a whole load of history. And uh, I am horrendous at looking at track maps. Uh, track maps? No, track maps. And visualising what that's like in real life. I'm terrible. Put your teeth in, Paul. I yeah. know. I'm tired. It's been a long day. <laughs> and uh, I can't work out whether the proposed layout for Rio is going to be any good or not. I worry because every new track that comes out seems to be god-awful. So I'm just concerned it's going to be another copy-and-paste circuit in a different country. And I think for me, uh, and I'm not talking about locations and regions or anything here, I'm just talking about the physical track itself. It's critical for Formula 1 to keep these uh, historic, old, well-regarded venues. So your Silverstones, Monzas, Interlagos... Uh, that sort of bike, uh, Spa, Frankishaw, whatever. So I think it's sad to lose that, uh, especially because it's a damn good track. If it yeah. was a less appealing circuit, if it was Abu Dhabi or something, I wouldn't really care. But yeah, a bit worrying. A bit worrying that, as you say earlier, Rio apparently has similar uh, crime issues that Interlagos mm -hmm. does as well. So you're not really saving anything there. I think it's another money thing. They want swanky pits that nobody cares about and a swanky media centre that no one's interested in. And that's at the detriment of the product, which at the end of the day is the cars on track. Yeah, no, indeed. And, and it's, a great, it's a great circuit. Like you say, it's got that lovely kind of banked uh, uphill start finish as well. And then you've got the characteristics when it goes down as you go into the first chicane. Uh, into Lagos and followed by a couple of relatively shortish straights and then you've got the nice twisty section as well and I, I raced there recently with the Australian uh, racing club um, I can't remember what car it was but the racing was fantastic because the circuit lends itself yeah to amazing yeah. racing and and you know if this is another Turk whatever his name what's his name Herman um, Tilke yeah Herman Tilke thank you um, uh, design track is, is it going to be I don't know but um, it, yeah, I, I fear for Interlagos. Reading what's coming out and everything else, and you know the president's behind it, and it seems to have the backing. Um, I do fear for Interlagos. Well, that's um, a really good point, actually, because 
I believe a lot of the revenue for Interlagos is through Formula One. So it is. It does host other races. It hosts obviously the uh, the stock car series. Yeah, the, the Brazilian touring the cars. Stuff, yeah, Brazilian yeah. touring cars, the truck racing, and a few others. But they're massive by a long, long way. Their prestige event is Formula One. They have very little uh, go there from anything other than local championships. So there's a danger now because obviously the housing district. Uh, around it is temporary housing. I don't know the politically correct term to use, so I'll just tread yeah. clear of that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's encroaching on the space more and more year on year. There's a danger that that track, I fear, if it loses Formula One, is eventually going to be overtaken by the need to provide more real estate for people to live on, and it's going to be lost entirely. And that would be an absolute disaster. That would be yeah, a travesty if that yeah. happened. It would, it would. And uh, I mean, listening to a lot of things out there as well, you know, there's still questions. I mean, I know when, uh, it's not really something we want to talk about today, but, you know, there, again, there are question marks around Silverstone and uh, the deals that are being done with yeah, the now owners yeah. of Formula One and how these new tracks are not paying as much as the likes of Silverstone and how is that fair? And, you know, it's all valid, valid points. And again, you know, Silverstone does host a lot of events, but, you know... Silverstone brings in 300,000 through the gates. If you look at the race at the weekend, there was only 150 at um, Barcelona. Exactly. You know? And that's the thing. If you go too far away from the heart of the sport, don't get me wrong, I am all for change and going with the times and breaking new ground. But it feels to me, and it's been like this for years, and it's not changed since Bernie left, in my opinion. It feels like you're going for the cash grab today at the detriment of the long-term product. And yeah. that's going to hurt... Formula One massively in the long haul and then you're going to potentially you could arguably in a few years time 10-15 years time lose the sport entirely because it's just going to be paying massive amounts of money to go to devoid of interest tracks the fans watch it and think I'm not interested in this anymore it's behind a paywall anyway so you're paying money to watch it on somewhere like Sky or whatever your regional broadcaster is and the product's garbage so I mean Zanvor as Davide said Love Zanvo, amazing circuit. You can't overtake in a touring car, so try doing that in a Grand Prix car. It's not <laughs> going to happen. The product's going to be dreadful. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and we saw that Joseph at the weekend, didn't we, at Barcelona? And I, you know, a, a track that is full of heritage and the, the and it's also used at the F1 testing pre-season, and, and the and the teams are now there doing. F1 testing again, and I'm sure they're getting different results because of the weather uh, is different, but. Would you be sad to leave Barcelona? And and whilst it is quite a, a tight track, um, do you think that it, the, the racing again could be approved there if the cars had less of this aero that's going on? Uh, I, I, I'm not too sure about the losing Barcelona, but if I had to choose between Barcelona and Zandvoort, which is definitely looking like what they're replacing and changing... I would have to choose Barcelona because, as it's mentioned so many times now, uh, that Zandvoort is just not an overtaking circuit. And I, I was talking to Chris about this on the weekend, and uh, we both said it's basically Monaco without the barriers. It really for reference is. there. That's Chris Hay you yes. were referring to from yeah. uh, from his YouTube channel, and also. Uh, doing the commentary for the SRO. Sorry, yeah, go on, carry on. Yeah, um, and we both agreed, basically, that it's it's Monaco without barriers. And Barcelona, yes, we wasn't very interesting. But can we really say, oh, it's because of Barcelona when you've 
look at all the other races we've had this season, has it been much more interesting at those tracks? Not really. So you can't say, oh, it's because Barcelona's not that good, which is why the interesting was uh, uh, the racing wasn't interesting this uh, this weekend. Because really, I. I, I find it boring either way. It's such a predictable result that I don't think changing the circuit is going to change that. Out of everything that's really happening in F1, of which I don't really pay a lot of attention to, I am the saddest about very likely losing uh, the Interlagos circuit because that is one of my favourite circuits on the calendar. Yeah, and um, David Day has also messaged me to say, you know, Vietnamese, um, the Vietnam uh, Grand Prix. I think we touched on it a, a, a few podcasts ago as well, which reminds me when you look at it of like a funny looking kangaroo. But you know, that's that's a street. <laughs> that's a. That's I like a, that, dude. That's that's quote today. Quote today, Mister Paul Glover. Yeah, Vietnam Grand Prix, a funny looking kangaroo. Yeah, it looks like an animal. <laughs> or some description. I think it's a kangaroo. I can't quite work it out, but it. It, uh, you know, again, um, I've watched information about this and um, is it in Hanoi, I think it's going to be. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a road circuit and they're going to have to shut it down and cause all kinds of disruption. But again, is is that where Formula One wants to be going? I just, David Day, what are your thoughts? I think that uh, also for the Vietnamese GPs, uh, it's, a, it's a deal between the... The actual owners of the uh, F1 and the uh, Vietnam um, uh, country. Uh, it's it's nice, as Paul was saying, to to see new countries, to go in new places, uh, break new ground. But it has to be done uh, the right way. The new yeah. Vietnamese GP has a I don't know personally an horrendous layout. It's these uh, infinite streets. Uh, with uh, a couple of airpins. It reminds me very much of the uh, 1930s uh, Grand Prix layouts, uh, which were with these long uh, and uh, very long straights with, uh, uh, connected with uh, an airpin or a very tight band. But because the cars of the time uh, were not that, um, uh, that agile, so they were more... Uh, um, comfort, comfortable, comfort, oh, <laughs> comfortable on a straight line rather okay, than. Okay, you're a, just as bad as Paul. Don't worry. <laughs> rather <laughs> than uh, taking uh, um, a corner after another, these cars we have nowadays are made for corners. On a straight, they are they are boring. So they got they got a straight that's one point five kilometers long, and I think that kind of points out what's wrong with Formula One is that you've got a straight that's 1.5 kilometers. I'm looking at the map now. Another one that's 800, 800 meters. Another one that's 675 meters, which is on both sides, of course, on some of them, because it is basically just go down, go around the end and come back. Yeah. Um, and it, it it's a bit of a computer game track, in my opinion, Paul. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to be an amazing spectacle. I guess what they're trying to achieve is high speed, Big breaking zones in the hope there'll be some overtaking, but it's surely going to be artificial because of the DRS. Exactly. And that's exactly right. I mean, the Hanoi circuit, I have got no idea what they're thinking doing that. Why do we need more street tracks? I know it might look spectacular when you stood at one corner on the circuit and you see them whip past you really closely, but street tracks are awful and they've always been awful. It's fine to have Monaco because Monaco's like just bonkers that people still race on that. And that's amazing to have it. But 
they never produce anything good. And yes, I admit Baku produces good results, but it's stupid racing. It's not motor racing. It's just people bouncing off walls and stupid things yeah, happening. Yeah, the tight section bit yeah. is a bit of a gimmick, isn't it? It's not what you want to watch motorsport for. You want to watch people no. fighting hard and passing. You don't want DRS zones, crashes and, and all that. Okay, maybe there's room on the calendar. There's 21 racers. There's room for Monaco because of the prestige. There's room for Baku because stupid things happen. But no more. <laughs> Please, no more. It's just, it's turning into a joke. And I think the Vietnamese Grand Prix is the perfect example. The track looks garbage. The racing will probably be pretty damn poor. The yeah. takings won't be worth anything because, as you say, it's straight DRS and good luck catching Mercedes. Yeah. And what's the point? What is the point of it? Why don't we just, why can't we design a track that's good? It's okay, though. It's okay, Joseph, because what they're saying is turns one and two are just like the turns one and two at Nürburgring. And then they're saying that um, turns 12, 13, 14, and 15 are the same as 12 to 15 at Monaco. So the racing will be fine, Joseph, won't it? (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic circuit. They definitely know what they're doing here. They've planned it absolutely perfectly. I think it's going to be a fantastic but corners race 16, 17 and 18 and 19 are also the same as uh, at, at Suzuka, which are turns 16 to 19. So, you know, I feel like they're really clutching at straws with this one. Oh, uh, um, well, I think what they've what they're doing is basically what Kota did because Kota uh, is known to basically replicate all of the best corners at uh, some of the best circuits in the world. You obviously have the uh, Intradur, the first S's that you have at Kota. Uh, you have all of those different sections, the fast double right-hander, or triple right-hander. You've got all of them are replicants of different circuits. And I think that's exactly what they're doing again, is just replicating uh, the best parts of another circuit. And at the end of the day, if we've already got those circuits, why do we want to see another another one of those? We want to see something new, something different, something that's going to bring a challenge and some great racing, some great fighting. And I, I just don't think we are. But just to interject into that a second, it's fine bringing the best corners, but like they replicated the snake at uh, Suzuka, they might be amazing corners sitting in a Formula 1 car, but they're garbage for racing. So why are you replicating areas that are proven to not allow people to run close or overtake? The best overtaking corners usually are rubbish corners in their own right, but it allows cars to go two or three wide. And they don't do that. They seem to be doing... Fancy, oh, look, this corner replicates Eau Rouge. That's marvellous, but when did anybody ever overtake anybody at Eau Rouge? And don't say Fernando Alonso, because I know he did. But uh, it's pointless. Don't replicate the snake at Suzuka, because all that does is mean your front tyres are killed if you're following anybody, and downforce stops you getting close. It's just stupid. Go to a nice bit of land that's all uphill, down dale, and fit something to this land that makes a good track like you've done time and time and time again and get somebody else to design the damn thing rather than the same bloke who can't make a chuffing circuit for love no money good circuit that is this bugs me this can you tell <laughs> no. Paul, can i can i make you a question question no Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay bye <laughs> no go on dude fire away, fire away. Um, no, I want to hear uh, your opinion about this. Do you think that um, all these uh, street circ- circuits we are uh, having and we're probably uh, still going to have in F1 
Are they because there are uh, there is still some uh, some kind of uh, Monaco syndrome, like in the eighties and nineties, where trucks uh, were trying to copy Monaco to have the same uh, glamour, to make uh, uh, the same kind of um, uh, glamorous event and venue, or is it just because uh, they are trying to bring the sport uh, closer to the people because they understand that they are losing public, and so they are trying to captivate uh, uh, public by in a certain sense, forcing forcing them to see the spectacle, the race. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's trying to replicate the glamour. I think basically what Formula One's turning into, and this is all sport, not just motor racing, it's becoming a uh, something that happens in the background while big business-to-business transactions take place. So they want fancy paddocks that have got exotic scenes with a sea and yachts behind it, So businessmen can meet other businessmen and women, shake hands on big money deals, do big sponsorship, wine and dine the guests. And they also know, I think, that Formula One doesn't feel sustainable anymore. So if you build a purpose-built circuit like India did or Korea or even the reasonably decent Turkish track, they'll run it for four years. They'll bankrupt the government trying to keep it afloat and then they'll close it down and turn it into a supermarket car park but if you do it on a street track, the impact's less uh, less significant. You don't need 200 million to make it. And if it all goes belly up, then turn it back into the A47 uh, to Milton Keynes or something. Yeah, true. I have no idea if that geographically is correct because I don't know that area of the country. So it might not be the A47 to Milton Keynes before people start writing it. Look, I mean, I don't, I, personally, I don't think what they do with the tracks, you know, is going to make huge difference unless they change the aero in these cars. And, yes. And the thing is, as well, I know we got all these nostalgic kind of opinions on how racing used to be better back in the days of the Senna and Nigel Mansell, but I've been watching the uh, an old documentary, A Season with McLaren, that was filmed in the 90s, and the problems were there then because they talk about it. The problems um, were there when aerodynamics came in. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was yeah. last good in the late 70s. Yeah. It was still good in the 80s because you had massive uh, levels of skill in how they implement aerodynamics. Yeah. There were different ways to do it. There were big engines and things were unrefined, which brought unpredictability. But realistically, the 60s and the mid-1970s were where it was at, when it was more mechanical grip. And now at aero, it's massively weighted towards aero dependency. And the second you disrupt it, because it's so fine, everything goes wrong. And, what uh, I think I've noticed this weekend um, is the the volume, the voice of the people that are getting disgruntled with Formula One is getting louder and louder. And I think they're always people sit there and they go, you know, like Red Bull. Um, you know, Horner did a, a an Instagram live the other day, which I watched a bit of it. And um, I asked him the question, what's your favourite Spice Girls track? And he, and he, and he read it. He, didn't, he, he wouldn't choose one. Um, but one of the questions was, you know, are you getting annoyed with the Mercedes dominance? And his answer was, yes, it's a bit boring. But then probably wasn't boring when he was winning. Um, and it's probably the same when Ferrari were winning with Michael Schumacher. So it does do this round-robbing kind of element, you know, Williams and everybody else. And people do tend to have their time in the limelight. But... And that just shows you that it's been like that for a long time now, that one team will dominate and then, and then, and then that cycle changes and then another team will, will dominate. I, I think um, that's fair, but I think what's different this season or in recent seasons, since the hybrid certainly, is when Williams dominated or uh, 
Ferrari or McLaren, going even further back, the racing throughout the rest of the field was still really good. So for me personally, I don't care that Mercedes win every race. That don't bother me. If the fight from three to 23 is or 20 nowadays yeah. is good, yeah. that's fine. But when it's just Mercedes 1-2, Ferrari 3-4, Red Bull 5-6... Yeah. And they were two yeah. by two a lot of the teams yeah. as well, weren't they? They were two by two at the weekend, which kind of... That's what hurts things. The yeah. racing spectacle's not good. And the cars don't look good for me. I'm not bothered about this turning on a, on an eight-minute bit. I'm not bothered about this running about on rails. Even when Schumacher, even as early as Schumacher in the 2000s, when he was dominating, the car was still moving around. You still looked at it and thought, yeah, up. I can't do that. That's, that's, that's superhuman, what's going on there. But now it looks for all intents and purposes, quite easy because the cars don't move about. You'd know, but I've said this before, I'm sure, either offline or on one of these podcasts, nobody has a screensaver of Lewis Hamilton going through Cops Corner, nose first at 180 miles an hour. But a lot of people have Ronnie Peterson going sideways at 120 miles an hour round a corner at the old office labor or something because that looked good. Four-wheel yeah. drifting, up all arms all over the place, trying to keep it on track. And actually, if the racing's not that close... The cars going round are spectacular. But what we've got is cars on rails with no racing on tracks that don't uh, encourage good racing. Yeah. And that's just boring. I think, I think you know, I, we have kind of um, gone into a different area of topic here, which, which we hadn't planned for. But um, let me try and just close it out. I think these new track announcements are painting over the cracks. And I think that's Formula One has a big problem right now. Because I've been an avid F1 watcher for a long time and I'm really starting to get fed up with it. Um, and, uh, you know, I even watched it, like you say, you know, when the Michael Schumacher's were running off with, with it because there was always stuff going on behind that. But it's just got less and less fun to watch. And unless it rains or unless someone crashes that, you know, that creates a bit of um, a different story, I guess you could say, um, things don't that aren't going to change. And... Um, you know, Mercedes are going to keep running away with it. Right. Okay. So that's our news items uh, covered. <laughs> um, we're going to go on to the main topic this week. Uh, we were going to talk about it all in the previous podcast, but um, our resident expert, David Day, uh, wasn't available. <laughs> so we uh, we decided to postpone until this week because David Day wrote an article all about this and it's neural AI. Um, you might have seen uh, back at the beginning of April, um, there was an announcement from the guys uh, that develop MotoGP, Milestone, about this whole neural AI. Yeah. And so, David Day, you took a bigger look look into it uh, for your article. But I, um, I finally got round to watching the video that Milestone had put out. So, um, so. Uh, it basically, as I understand it, it's um, it's deep learning. So these, it's like these racers or these motorbikers um, have um, have artificial intelligence. They they're basically learning how to teach. Um, and from what I understand, they give the AI objectives, tell them what a positive and negative outcome is, and then the AI basically works out the best way to obtain that objective. Now. When I originally saw this being released, David Day, and maybe I've misunderstood something, I got the impression that um, when you're playing the game, the AI is learning as you race it. But watching the video from uh, Milestone, 
it turns out that they've done all that learning with them. So they make the the bikes go round and round and round and round, thousands and thousands of laps in one day to to develop and learn how to how to race um, a motorbike. Am, am I right? Is is that what we're getting? Is is this the future, David? Day? Well, basically, this um, this new kind of AI, is, I think that is uh, is very exciting because uh, uh, it's not just that they um, run around uh, uh, to learn um, a track or a proper racing line, but uh, the difference it's uh, it's more in depth. Uh, of course, uh, um, I'm not pretending that. Uh, uh, milestone uh, with MotoGP will uh, uh, eat it uh, perfectly on the first time, but uh, yeah, it's the right, it's the step in the right direction because um, they set in motion what it's uh, a very, very uh, big difference with the past because uh, n- with n- n- uh, neural AI we have uh, uh, an artificial artificial intelligence which has a proper intelligence. Uh, it's uh, more or less, uh, I don't know if you guys played it, uh, maybe some uh, of our listeners will uh, will get my reference. Uh, if you played the Mass Effect series uh, <laughs> of the uh, games, uh, um, there is a, a difference between uh, VI and AI in those games. Basically, we can say that VI is the AI we had uh, up until this point in sim racing. And AI is the neural AI. The AI in uh, Mass Effect is uh, the virtual intelligence. It's a basic intelligence which uh, responds only to a script. It uh, can only respond to things that have been programmed. And it's basically the AI, AI we have we've had uh, so far. An AI, the AI that can go very, very wrong at times, right? With glitches and Yeah, and because whatnot, right? ba- basically it can only respond to something that has been scripted. If, if something happens that uh, has not been scripted, uh, they don't know what to do. So they start doing random things uh, or sometimes they do nothing at all. Um, when instead with a proper in, uh, AI intelligence, uh, um, like the neural AI, you have uh, a computer which uh, thinks on its on its own, uh, so it, it's uh, able to take its own decision. So if something happens uh, that it's new for uh, for it, uh, it tries to do something. Uh, it goes wrong or it goes well. It says, "Okay, next time, I'm gonna do more of that, or less of uh, less of this, more of that." And so he adapt it uh, it adapts. Um, and that's proper intelligence. That's what make, makes us as human and all animal life intelligence, the ability to adapt. Uh, mm. Otherwise, we would all be extinct <laughs> in the first generation. But because we learn from all of the experiences we get, uh, we know how to, um, to handle them. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's uh, a breaking point in, uh, in AI for in gaming and especially in sim racing uh, uh, so in, in our particular field to have a proper intelligence uh, that it's capable of of uh, thinking on its own taking its own decision uh, not rely uh, on what the master the, the programmer said <laughs> yeah but, that's but, a good uh, way of describing it actually the master that's <laughs> a really good um that, that, that's a really good exp- um, explanation thank you david a. um Paul, you, I mean, 
you look at some of the bugs that get posted, even about ACC, which is one of the newer games at the moment, using more the, the I guess, the older termination VI, I think David Day referred to it as. Um, you know, normal AI apparently can remember and therefore learns from um, its mistakes. And I guess it's trying to find over the years, isn't it, Paul, is that trying to find the best game that gives you that offline experience. And neural AI might be that next step that we've all been looking for. To be honest, I'm quite ignorant as to what it is. So I've learned a lot from what Davide said. So thanks, uh, thanks for that, Matt. Uh, I'm really excited for it because uh, I found myself becoming more and more of an offline sim racer uh, due to time restraints. We spoke about that before. Uh, so AI, good AI, is becoming more important to me than it, than it ever has in my sim racing time. And uh, it seems like there's been a lot of copy and paste of the same sort of uh, rationale or understanding of how AI works in sim racing for years now. And it's like the iRacing damage model we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast. It's going to take this to then move things forward again for the entire industry. And I think that's a really exciting thing. I don't know how it's going to work in uh, MotoGP 19, how successful or believable it will be. But it's almost like this is the sacrificial lamb for moving uh, (laughs) artificial intelligence forward across the board. And for that, I'm super excited about it because uh, you get patches of good behavior. So R Factor 2, I often find I like how they defend coming into corners. Occasionally, I can have some good two two wide fights and passes and repasses. But generally speaking, even in new sims, Project Cars 2 or Seto Corsa Competizione or anything like that, it, it leaves a lot to be desired on a lot of occasions. It's quite good when you're carving your way through the field. But I want to I want to dive deep into a corner up somebody's inside and I want them to back out of it and do a switch back on me. Or I want people to overtake mm. me when I'm not expecting it. And I'm just not getting that from the way AI is coded and implemented today at present. So if this can if this can start that train rolling, I mean Race Room did something to a point with their uh, uh, AI learning that they forgot. I forgot about a brain fade. I forgot what they called it. But the uh, the thing where you didn't set a difficulty level and then it like learned from you and matched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, never got on with that personally. I didn't use it because I don't want to be competitive. I want to be at the back of the field. So that didn't work for me. But it was interesting that they looked and assessed at a different way to do something. Okay, wasn't the AI behavior per se, but it was still they looked at doing something a little bit different. And that never really gained maximum traction across the board in other sims. But I think this neural AI has really got legs to be uh, an, an opening an opening of a door for other developers to look at it, see how it works, see how it's reacted to with the community, and hopefully for the next gen of sims, so R Factor 3 or whatever you're going to call it, whatever Image Space Incorporated is doing, a set of course of competition only two, or whatever they might be, that is interesting for the effect that might have on those those titles, hopefully. Or yeah. it could be a load of really good marketing words. And in it reality, could. Be absolutely it could. Nothing. Let's be know, honest. Milestone released that video. It was you know approximately ten minutes long. I've, I've watched it, and um, this the gameplay. This the gameplay video. You mean? 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, the developers talk about talk about it, and 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 then they bring in the company that have have worked on the neural um, AI system, and they talk about the 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 toolkit that they, that they use for this. Oh um, yeah, that one. Sorry, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Joseph, uh, they're saying that you know the AI will basically perform like a professional racer because us players are more unpredictable. Uh, they've also said that they they basically rerun um, different scenarios with the AI uh, thousands of times. Uh, they start races from different corners on the circuit. And here was an interesting fact right at the end, uh, Joseph, of the, of the video. They said, normal AI versus classic AI were two to three seconds faster uh, round uh, per lap on the track, um, which puts them on the same level as the real lap times. Well, I'm, I mean, that's absolutely excellent because I've... Uh... Not having quite good experience with previous MotoGP games, I mean, the AI is very poor, uh, in my opinion. They don't really have any knowledge of you even being there, for the most part. Uh, so I think this is a great addition for MotoGP to bring in and to have. And having those closer lap times as to real-life lap times is going to be absolutely fantastic. I think the racing is going to be great, because I find, in my experience, once you, yes, as Paul said, carving your way through the field is absolutely great but it's not really racing you're just getting through and then you don't really have much of a challenge to They're it a bit too predictable aren't they they, they are sometimes. indeed yeah and i think having the introduction into motor gp as uh, we hope it's going to be basically the introduction into the industry of what should be pretty much the norm in a few years time because it would be absolutely fantastic because i mean any sim has it where it's just the, the AI, you can never have perfect AI, at least we haven't had in the past. You can never have an AI that runs exactly like uh, we would and cut the, uh, well, right, make the right decisions to cut certain corners, gain some time. Well, this is there. it. This is apparently part, part of and the video actually talks about they will, they, will, they will go off the track if needed. And exactly, and that's what we need because at the moment I'm having uh, races and it can be uh, a massive stoppage and definitely in MotoGP games where uh, I have four or five bikes that are all next to each other and then everyone slows down and then we're going like three mile an hour through a corner because they don't quite know how to handle yeah. going so many bikes wide and they all want to stay on the racing surface. None of them are like, oh, do you know what, actually, I can go onto that runoff that's literally right next to me. Um, and it means that if I'm behind them, I can just go on that outside and get all five of them at once. Because you know, uh, but this is going to be, I think, a great introduction. I'm looking forward to trying uh, trying it out when it comes out, and hopefully we will see it if it's a good introduction. As Paul mentioned, I think it was adaptive AI you were on about on yeah, race that's room. the race room. Yeah, yeah, um, that's the one. Well remembered. Uh, I've seen it in various other uh, games as well, not just Sims, just games. And I say, in my opinion, I. The first um, knowledge I had on that was a, a very old IndyCar game. And for me, it was great because if I had a really bad lap, I mean, they'd slow all down and I can get back to the front and then they'd speed up again. But it wasn't really realistic. Yes, they'd match your level, but only via lap, not by overall pace. Um, so I think this neural AI learning is going to be great, a great change and a, a welcome introduction to the sim racing industry for offline racing because I personally don't like online racing that much i love offline and right now it's just not up to scratch with the ai so hopefully this is going to be the uh the thing to change that david day um motogp comes out on the 6th of june uh with this whole 
nor AI. Um, is a part of you disappointed that it's not another game that's coming out of it? Because I, you know, if this was in F1 2019 or something, it could be, or, you know, R Factor ACC or any other game, it could be revolutionary. Um, to be honest, I, um, I'm just happy that someone uh, took this step because um, mm. uh, since I, um, I started reading about the neural AI being uh, uh, used uh, on uh, servers, uh, servers and cloud services, uh, uh, like for example, uh, before uh, um, YouTube polls were a bit skeptical about this, te- this technology. Of course, we don't know, as Paul was saying, if Milestone, uh, um, how Milestone uh, will be able to make it uh, uh, work uh, good, if it's going to be uh, on what level. But the technology is there. Like, for example, if you watch the F1 races, uh, the predictions uh, that come uh, come up from time to time. Yeah. If you look, there is the AWS logo, which is Amazon Web Service. Uh, mm-hmm. And those predictions are not be made by any human. Those are made by the neural AI. They are all made by by neural AI because they they watch the race with uh, it watches the race uh, uh, with you of course we, from a different perspective <laughs> yeah, than, uh, course, than, yeah, yeah. than from us humans but uh, it watches uh, the races uh, and it learns what drivers do uh, when how and uh, it uh, it takes those information it crunches it together and then uh, it it's able to make predictions which are very much accurate because it learns um so I'm happy that finally someone is uh, taking this technology and bringing uh, uh, bring it uh, to uh, not just sim racing but uh, the gaming industry. Of course, uh, I'm eager to see uh, uh, sim racing games on four wheels uh, using it, but uh, it could be very much a revolution also for other type of, of games for. Um, um, uh, for example, uh, action adventures uh, or uh, more story-driven games. Uh, having a more believable uh, opponent uh, is uh, is something very exciting and something. Oh very... yeah, like when you when you play play like a shoot 'em up and the guy just runs out in front of you and you just shoot yeah. him. You know, like they they you know they become more realistic in that in that element. Yeah, it's it's yeah. something it's something very needed because if you think about it, as I was uh, as I said in my article. We've had uh, an enormous, uh, giant, uh, big step, uh, big um, progress uh, in graphics, uh, graphical engines, audio engines, uh, physics. Uh, everything has moved uh, forward so much. But AI are still programmed and coded uh, as they were 20, 30, maybe even more years ago. So it's it was about time that we have had a real step forward also on this uh, this aspect. Yeah, reading the um, you know the bottom of your article, um, I think you know it sort of sums it up quite nicely. They are basically trainers, so to speak, and the AI is now like an athlete trying to reach its objectives successfully. And I think yeah, yeah, that's good. a huge step, isn't it? You know, saying that you are your aim is to is to do this rather than rather than more code to go right stay on this racing line. Your aim is to get get around here as fast as you can without hitting anybody else, staying within the track limits, but then when necessary, you might want to go out of those limits to avoid contact or whatever. Like Joseph just alluded to, you know, those moments where those cars or those bikes are all trying to get around the first corner and then you, 
They don't really know what they're doing and it just slows right down, Paul. And that is a, you know, I've seen a few bugs uh, ACC recently where car, <laughs> the AI cars are doing some weird stuff. Um, and, and to be able to get away from that, this has got huge potential here and it's exciting. And I know it's only, literally, it's only a month away now that we may see some of the best AI that's ever been in a game. And it's been in development for two years as well. So just like F1 2019, how that game was in development, this AI model, it alone has been in development for two years. Yes, but I think let's, let's temper expectations slightly. This is brand spanking new, not being done before to this level, not being done in this industry. Bike racing is notoriously difficult to do AI because you can run so many more varying lines than you can do in a traditional car racing. Uh, environment the bikes behave uh, dramatically you can have high sides low sides wobbles all the stuff that you can have in a bike one so let's not get let's give milestone a little bit of breathing space that they might not hit it out of the park first time but they deserve credit they deserve a little bit of breathing space and patience on our front just to have the goal to go out there and do it to try it and I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. They they could have just copy and pasted MotoGP. I couldn't remember the year then. MotoGP 2018 with the new liveries, new tracks, done a couple of improvements and called it and called it okay. But what they've done is they've gone and tried to push, or they're trying to push the boundary a little bit further. That needs credit where credit's due. But it might not be all things to all people from the off. I'm excited but nervous about it let's see what happens when it comes out and let's for me the way i'm treating it is it might not produce the best ai ever in moto gp19 but it should i hope i pray shake up the industry enough to make them want to look at this a lot lot closer and see if you know what it's like first gen of anything somebody comes up with a new smartphone the very first smartphone hey this is amazing it's mind-blowing then everybody copies it and makes it better. Yeah, hopefully yeah. that's this. That, hopefully that's this. Well, that was, that was going to be my question to Joseph. Actually, if you were the likes of uh, Kunars and everybody else out there, and uh, Codemasters, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, you know, you'll be watching this from afar and, and taking notes. I'll assume. Oh, definitely. I think they'll uh, look at see how well it uh, behaves and how it's taken by the community. I think uh, if it's uh, even if it's not to the best of the uh, standard it could be, I'm sure if it's received well uh, by the community, that other people take it on and try to improve it and make it even better. Yeah, uh, David. Day, before we uh, close this topic out, um, do you know uh, that? If it's good, if the AI will keep learning as you play the game, do you know at all? Because I, I got the impression that that was what the expectation was in the community was. Oh, this thing will learn, but I gather that they they basically teach it in a lab and then and then release it. Because I'm gathering guessing that in order for it to learn, it have to write data to the hard drive, and that's that's going to take up space. <laughs> yeah, and also um, uh, CPU power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's not very clear because uh, from that video um, we um, we saw um, they seem to um, uh, to give the impression that uh, they can uh, keep uh, learning also as you're playing but at the same time I don't know if uh, 
that's uh, entirely possible, at least with the current hardware. Of course, we can have a, a game with an AI that keeps learning, but I don't know if it's uh, doable uh, at the moment. So, um, to be honest, I really don't know uh, if uh, it uh, it's going to keep learning and uh, on, uh, on what degree, on what level. It, it may be possible that it uh, it keeps learning, but uh, maybe... It might send a... it back home. It might it might send data back and then they develop it and then they set, put out updates to it. It might work in that, in yeah, that way. It, that it? could also be a, a possibility. We, we have to see, as Paul was saying, we have to see when, uh, when the game comes out, uh, uh, the, the full extension of... Uh, how it works uh, and um, uh, how it has been uh, implemented. This could be. This technically could. I mean, I know the you know what Paul Sanders. We to, we should temper our expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm and I have personally never been a huge fan of MotoGP games. I find them quite hard to play for me personally. Bikes aren't my thing, but this potentially could be a landmark point where. All games, they can follow the same model because at the moment, you know, you've got R Factor 2, you've got R Factor, you've got, you've got um, a set of Corsa, a set of Corsa Petitione, you've got Project Cars, Project Cars 2, and every AI is different. Wouldn't it be great if they all kind of lined up a little bit where they're all a bit similar in the well, way that they behave and become a little bit more um, predictable? Because humans are unpredictable in our nature, but I guess, do you want the AI to be unpredictable in some senses, but you don't want it to be unpredictable in the sense that they all go into the first corner and cause a pile-up because the AI doesn't know what it's doing because the code is wrong. You want it to be unpredictable in the sense that, Paul, you know, you want it to try and cut back on you and things like that um, and challenge you at certain points, I guess. It's it's an interesting one. It's It's got so much potential. Um, yeah, it has. That's the thing. It really, really has, isn't it? And I, and not only just, not only just in this sense, but also, you know, AI is out there improving graphics for games now and things like that. And so the graphics point that you mentioned earlier on, David, Day, you know, you're right. I mean, games have made huge strides in the graphics, in the in the physics, in the sound element, and AI hasn't really moved forward. But new AIs, it's helping in in CGI and graphics, and it's making our games look better. So. Why not apply it to how the the cars or the or the or the or the bikes move and behave or the races, whatever you want to call them, in in game? It's just potentially mind blowing what yeah. this could what could happen here. Yeah, as I was saying, that the technology is there. We have it finally. So why don't we uh, take it forward forward or on the gaming uh, industry? It yeah. was about time. We have it. Let's use it. Because even the AI that you see back in the early 2090s where you could go online and talk to a bot, you still knew you were talking to a bot. Yeah. Because they were pre-configured responses and, and you type in something and it go, oh, I, I don't, do not understand or whatever it may be. And even like the likes of Google Home and uh, Alexa and everything else is out there. You know, it's all pre-configured commands, right? This is this thing potentially... Oh my God! It's the Terminator. 
it's thinking oh, of itself. Oh, no, this is the start of Skynet. <laughs> the start of Skynet. This is not good. <laughs> Does that mean Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to come to my house and blow up my racing ring? And potent- potentially naked as well because he's travelled through time and he's got no clothes. And he has to- I like and- you to close your boots on your motorcycle game. Well, yeah, he, he, he probably he probably put his nose up at your shirts but um, and your haircut. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, um... Yeah, it's only took you an hour and 15 minutes. You're slacking, man. What's going on? I know, on? I know. To insult the, somebody. The gentle ribbing has took it over 60 minutes to get to that because point. We've, because we've had, a, we've had a lot to talk about. And I think <laughs> We've been serious. We, yeah, we've been serious. And, you know, and as much as I like to rib all of you, it is, this is potentially a huge a huge stepping stone in, in artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, it is. It is. And I think... What I'd also like to see, and this kind of flies in the face of artificial intelligence a little bit, I'd like to see each driver or rider or whatever have their own characteristics. That's what we don't really get so much at the moment. So if I come up behind a generic racing driver number one, I've raced him before and I know that he's under pressure if I flash my lights or if I show my nose up a corner, I can make him screw up. Right, but if I get yeah. up against generic driver number two, I know it's Fernando Alonso and he's not going to do anything and he's going to snatch the position back up. I'd love that so I can actually become uh, attached to the people I'm racing with like you do online where you know, oh, I'm coming up behind Paul Glover so uh, his inconsistency is terrible. Stick behind him 15 minutes. Tell him, hey, yeah. Paul, hey, Paul. Hey, Paul, yeah, get, 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 in my, get, in my, get in my ear. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Get in my ear. I'd, uh, and I'd, I'd love probably a bit, crack under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love yeah. a bit of that, though, in my online as well. So when you do a championship, you kind of naturally get drawn towards somebody as your rival and somebody as your pal. And if you take somebody out, they kind of have a bit of a grudge against you in a realistic way, not in a scripted fake I way. I guess, yeah. I, grow to that. I wonder, how the, I wonder how they would approach that because I'd imagine at the moment with the games of like F1 2019 that's soon to come out, you know, like you'd have like a trump card, wouldn't you? Where you'd be like, right, speed, Hamilton, 10, consistency, yeah, yeah, yeah. 9. And, and it would be basically like that. And, you know, like someone, if it was Kvyat, the chances of torpedo someone 11 <laughs> you know like i'm sure there'll be whatever list that they'll have for each character or racing driver in those games because they've got data to kind of back that up and it will be relatively realistic but when you when but if you go online you see that sometimes you know you'll get the most you know amazing results because it can also be unpredictable as well but it's not to this degree, is it? And back in the day, I remember that, um, you know, certain drivers in some games would show characteristics of their, of their kind of like-minded driver in real life. But I, I wonder how that, how that would, how this could evolve into a better style of that. that that's well, that's an, the that's thing, isn't point. it? Yeah. That's the thing, the potential for, this is what we're saying about, not for MotoGP 19, but for the, uh, the, the knockoff versions that other people may or may not want to do. Yeah. That's what it could grow into. And suddenly you, you need another podcast to talk about the potential of everything. Yeah. there is. Because I'd like to see, uh, use the Formula One example, because everybody knows the drivers in Formula One. You get like, uh, let's say Lando Norris. And if he's using this neural AI thing, it, the system knows he's young, knows he's got X amount of experience. And as that experience grows, there's potential, like the football manager games used to be, the potential's yeah. high, they learn more, they develop faster. And if you do five consecutive seasons with the same 
uh, career mode or whatever, then young Lando Norris is suddenly reasonably experienced Lando Norris that's got a lot more skillful and he's learned more, not from race by race, but season to season as well. And he used to be able to put him under pressure, but he knows now that in 10 races that you've had together, you always flash your lights and show your nose into T1. Yeah, yeah. You don't fall for it anymore. Stuff like that would be amazing. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's got um, huge potential. Joseph, um, it, 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 it is potentially, like I said, a landmark point, isn't it? I mean, not just for Sim, not for MoGP, but for other games. And if you were Kunos and everybody else, would you be licking your lips at this potential? And would you be looking to implement it into a game? Or would you... Because, you know, for, for Kunos, for instance, Joseph, right? They've released an ACC version 1's coming out now in, at the end of this month. Um, would you wait until the next game or would you try to start it into ACC, perhaps? Well, 1.0 is coming out, but that doesn't mean by any means that it's anywhere near, like, completion of what yep. they're going to do with it. Yep. So, I mean, entirely possible that they will decide to because I decided after talking to Paul this weekend uh, that I did reinstall ACC. I've realised that I do actually kind of like it now that it runs a little bit smoother. But the AI, I was racing at Zolda, is absolutely rubbish. So to, uh, I think to have the uh, this neural AI, if it is introduced into other sims, I think it would be a great opportunity for a lot of... Uh, uh, different companies to add to their games, new ones, future ones, whatever they decide to do. But I think it would be a great addition to ACC in particular. Um, and definitely to R Factor 2 as well, which we know there won't be an R Factor 3. It will just be constantly developing, race room, you know, all that. So I think it is definitely something they will be looking their looks at. And like I said earlier, it's something that I think is going to be a fantastic introduction into the uh, into the community and sim racing. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we can keep going around in circles now and saying this has got huge potential, but we just don't know what that's actually going to be. And I, I'd imagine, Josie, you'll be buying the game, will you? Um, I I think I will. I think I'll give it a go, but um, I I'm not like oh, can't wait for it. I can't wait to see. Sorry, to see what it's like. I I just want to get it. No, I'm just, I'll, I'll have a go with it when it comes out, but we'll see how it runs and how neural AI works. And if it's really good, then I will be like, yes, let's get this into other into our sims rather than just being on an arcade game. Paul, are you, will you be purchasing MoGP? Is this a game on your list, or are you not really a biker? I love bike racing on telly, but I've never quite got on with it properly. Uh, yeah, me neither. On a game. But yeah. because of the AI... I am going to get Oh, no, I'm more about I'm my so lack curious. of ability. Yeah, it's yeah, my lack of, I, yeah. I can't... I've, I've spoiled myself with a wheel and pedals. I can't drive <laughs> or race something that's not got a relatively similar uh, peripheral or whatever to the real thing. So going from a pad to get over the lean and the handlebars, it just it feels weird to me. And that... It's like golf. I really like the idea of golf. And I hit a ball and it didn't go 500 yards straight. I can't bother to learn, so I stopped playing golf. And I feel it might be a little bit like that for me with bikes as well. I'd love to put the time and energy into it, but in reality, I'll go on it and say, oh, that looks potentially good, but uh, I'll get my wheel back out. Probably. <laughs> I'm lazy at heart. I, I struggle with the concept of, of leaning for the corner before you're in the corner. That's my problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Day, is, this, is it on your list? Are you looking to purchase MotoGP19? I don't know. I like bike game, games, but I like more the um, kind of uh, ride experience. Uh, you know, those uh, 
um, more like the the ride franchise uh, MotoGP. I um, I don't know. I I have to think about it. Uh, yeah, maybe to support the developers, uh, I might mm. uh, go ahead and. Um, uh, and it's got a, a race, got a race director mode, Joseph. Would you believe? So uh, you know some. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. That's the other thing that I wanted to to yeah. send to Joseph, and I forgot that uh, I thought about him when I saw it. <laughs> yeah. So pretend. I mean, I don't know if any if we've ever done uh, MotoGP club races. Um, no, I definitely haven't, and no, I've never looked at ever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever watched uh, any of the cameras, whether in replay mode or not. On. Uh, MotoGP games before, so I think it would be an interesting addition, but uh, I'm not too sure if I, I personally really... You could assign uh, penalties and everything. That, that so, is really cool, but I mean, again, I don't think I personally will be using any of that. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, obviously, they're trying to encroach, I'd imagine, on the, um, on the uh, F1 esports element, so maybe something's coming in that regard with MotoGP. But um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, but that uh, as the neural uh, AI that can be uh, the um, the fact that you can be the race director can be also another uh, cool feature. Yeah, that maybe can get uh, also to other sims and could be really useful also for people like you guys that do uh, do it in a. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think. Um, yeah, we've ever done a MotoGP uh, collaboration event. Maybe that's something we should. Uh, Try and get staff on board to do, maybe. I don't know. Right. Uh, so, yeah, new AI. Um, I think it's really interesting. It's been a great discussion there. And um, wait and see what that actually means for um, MotoGP 19 and, and other games in the future. Could be huge. Really, really could. Right. Uh, let's try and bring this to a close then. Uh, Paul, um, what's happening with you at the moment uh, with Twitch and YouTube and everything else? I know you've got the next round of the SRO qualifying is open for Paul Ricard. It's the end of uh, this month. If you're listening now, at the end of May 2019. Uh, what's, what's going down, man? What's, got, yeah, what's up? That's the big focus at the moment. It's the... Uh... Round two SRO esports series. So as always, we'll be live on Twitch, and we're working on getting it live on YouTube as well. So uh, do watch out for that one later on tonight, which is the 14th of May. So probably yesterday, if you're listening now, uh, we'll be announcing the pro drivers that we've uh, we've got coming up for the event. But more importantly, for everybody else listening, the silver qualification event is still open. So it's open till May the 20th at 2359 CEST. And that's a, a hot, hot stint session. So anyone can enter that one. There's an event in-game, set a top 12 hot stint time, and you'll be invited to Paul Ricard to uh, race in the silver event. And the top four finishers in that race will go on to Saturday's final, where they'll be racing the top four from Silver, Pro, and Am. And then the top three who win that, invited to Barcelona for the season finale and the chance to win a big prize with Lamborghini. So uh, do get signed up for that one, folks, if you're listening. Going to be a big race, going to be a good race at Paul Ricard. So uh, looking forward to that one. And that one is pretty much the main focus, although there will be... I bought a new monitor that's widescreen, so I need to work out how to record in stuff that's not widescreen. So I'm on a a bit of a break at the moment while I work all that out. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, uh, I can give you some tips on that. Oh, that'd be uh, useful. Thank you. Right. Uh, Joseph, you got any streaming coming up? I know when we spoke last time, you, you just got a new PC. You were still setting things up. How's that going? Uh, yeah, pretty much uh, completed everything now. Just got to log into Twitch and get OBS downloaded and set up, and then I'll be perfect and ready to stream again. Right, and what can we expect from you uh, with regards to the streaming front? What do you, what do you got lined up? Uh, club events will definitely be getting back underway and streaming. There'll be a few just on boards with me as well. But ACC will be getting its first uh, club event stream within the next couple of weeks. Brilliant stuff. Fantastic. All nicely in line with SRO. Uh, don't forget, you can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, just search for Race Department. And you'll see. You, you were very concerned us. as to whether we were actually on Facebook just now. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook? Are we on there? <laughs> uh, I was trying to remember if there was any any more because uh, when I was saying Facebook, because I know there are always new social networks coming out uh, out of our ears sometimes. Oh, you so. got Telegram, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, don't forget. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that we have a podcast too. Uh, I just want to take this opportunity to thank Joseph Wright for joining us once again. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, Mr. Jeffrey, thank you. As always, it's been a roller coaster of emotion. Yeah, of course it has. It and has. Uh, thank you, David Aina Tval, our neural AI expert. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't think I'm that kind of expert. But no, but <laughs> thank you need more than most of us. So that, that that puts you ahead of the curve. That puts you ahead of the curve. <laughs> In the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. Exactly, <laughs> exactly that. A great. Uh, great saying uh so thank you once again for listening don't forget to hit that subscribe button tell your friends tell your dog if you really want to uh, might want to listen um i've been paul glower this has been the race department podcast cheerio <laughs>